All right, Tristan. You know, we've known each other quite some time. Let's uh, give me a little bit of a background so everyone kind of, everyone knows a little bit about you. So before we get really rolling into this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm Tristan Mahoney, TM Bits and Spurs. I've been making bits <clears throat> full-time for about seven years now. I think I went full-time in 2016, maybe 2015. I, I messed around with it for a couple years before that, did it part-time, turned out some pretty rough stuff. Um, you know, but then once I got to the point where it was acceptable and kind of got rolling from there. All right, and uh, Arizona, right? Grew up right in yeah. the Casa Grande area, or where exactly? So my when I was like four or five, my parents moved into Queen Creek, and that's where I grew up till about high school, and then we moved out to Florence. And I've been in Florence ever since. We, me and my wife, we built a place out there in about 2016, uh, moved into our own place. And, so yeah, it's kind of in between Phoenix and Tucson, for those of you who aren't familiar with Arizona. All right, so this is what's going to be fun about today. Um, you and I, you and I's timelines are really similar as far as like me starting Next Factor Roping and, you know, TM Bits and Spurs, right? So I don't know for a lot of people if they understand or kind of been through it, but when you start your own business, it is an incredibly like, it's a learning curve, right? Like it, being an entrepreneur or just going out on your own, it, it sounds fun and there's a lot of like cool things right off. Like you've got a lot of freedom and you, but there are a lot of trial and errors. It's very hard times really. The first handful of years are, are really, really tough. At least it was for me. I don't know, what what was that kind of like for you? It, yeah, same dude. It's uh, it, it's something being self-employed. You're, you're head of marketing. You're your own accountant, you're head of sales, you're head, like for me, I'm head of manufacturing, like, and it's just, it's me doing every job, and so it, you, you, you have to know your business, right? Like, I didn't even, it wasn't even, you can't call it a business at first, but as you start making it a business, like, you're like, oh, wow, I got to do this and, and that to, to keep everything running, to keep sales up, all of it. And your time you figure out like well your time is valuable but your your time is actually worth nothing really like it, it didn't really matter how much work you put into something um how many hours it's just like the end product is the only thing that that kind of matters right so it's like learning the time management and then what i'm actually worth that that was hard that was hard on me i'm be honest I, i'm sure with like your deal it's a little it's a little bit different than mine where it's like you've got to get this video edited and it's 36 hours to edit this rope and that you're going to release right i get paid every time i turn out a bit right so it made me think about time way different than i did before like i i, I never put a value on my time but then i know all right I, I, if I make this bit back in the day, I got 125 bucks for them. So I'm like, my time is worth, I can build a bit in two hours at the, at that time, maybe a little more. So it's like my two hours are worth $125. So whatever I'm going to do, it better be, it better pay me better than 120 or it better be worth $125 to me or, you know, divide that in half. That's my hourly rate. So like ever since I've started building bits, that's, that's how I've kind of looked at my time management, you know, it's like, kind of interesting um, and so just a little more background um, rope calves and have competed quite a bit roping calves and training calf horses and and team rope a little bit as well but like kind of give me the the actual rodeo background with, with you and your family and your wife and everything that way yeah um, you know grew up rodeo family like a, we we're talking before it started I remember back when your parents had a desert lease right down the road for me and off of what is that P not Pima but 
close to Schneff Peter. Road yeah, and off of uh, Ocotillo out, yeah. there, out there in Queen Creek. Yeah, yeah. load them in the Dark Cattle Company. Yeah, shout out. But uh, no, so my, my parents rope, grandparents rope, all of it. Um, you know, my mom, I think she's three time <coughs> world champion in the WPRA. My dad, very successful team roper. And because they team roped and I'm the way I am, I wanted to rope calves. <laughs> you know, they're zigging, I'm zagging. Um, and roping calves in Arizona is different. It's not a big calf roping state. You know, not a lot of us did it, but you know, uh, it was it was fun just growing up and finding the instruction where it was and and uh, kind of getting better. You know, I've pro rodeoed, amateur rodeoed. And <clears throat> me and my wife, you know, we started dating when we were 20 years old. We amateur rodeoed up in the Northwest. Um, shoot, she's a she's a real badass. She's won the Grand Canyon Association. She won it seven years in a row, I think, before she finally had a baby and let him beat her. So, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> needless to say, the that this is kind of the unique thing, right? Is you're you're around the rodeo, um, the rodeo kind of people around here more than anything else, and and so the the next thing is moving on to like what kind of makes you go down the route of hey, I want to I want to start building bits and spurs like what where did that come from so it kind of goes back to me roping calves because one of the best calf ropers I got uh, a lot of help from was Gordy Alderson and a lot of people know him bits and spurs he also ropes calves really good I think he ended up 16th in the world one year so as I'm a little kid and I'm and Gordy's helping me with my calf roping and everything like I just think whatever Gordy's doing is cool at the time right and so like as I got through college and was like what am I going to do with my life? I thought I was going to sell real estate. I did that for a couple of years, hated it. And I talked to Gordy all the time, talking about roping, building bits. And he made building bits seem so cool. I asked him one day, I'm like, hey, would you mind if I like tried it? And uh, he's like, no, I don't, I don't care. Knock yourself out. So I went down to his shop and watched him do it. And then uh, kind of, I, I had a wire feed welder and just kind of some rudimentary tools, like a crappy bench mounted stone wheel grinder. And, I tried to build a bit, you know what I mean? And and then through the ton of help from Gordy, just kind of started building more and more of them and, and getting better and better, you know? When you're around someone like that, that's like truly great at something and you see him, because the one thing about Gordy is tons of professional guys ride, his, you know, professional ropers, professional calf ropers have his bits, right? Yeah. He's one of, the premier guys and has been for as long as I, I mean, as early as I can ever remember just hearing about him, you know, so his stuff is highly regarded in, in the industry, right? Yeah. So being around someone like that, what, does that just, what does that kind of do? Like seeing that, like wanting to, like, did that kind of make you appreciate the craft of it or what kind of like gave you the itch for that though? Y you know, so like short answer is yes right um but like when i first got into it i wasn't like real handy like you wouldn't think like all oh, this this dude's gonna build bits and and turn a piece of metal into something beautiful right like it it was rough and so like watching gordy like i knew that the opportunity was there to make money and i knew that that it was like a great lifestyle right and then like as i get into it then i'm like oh Gordy's stuff is so much nicer than mine. Like, what do I need to do to perfect it? And, and, and then, of course, each piece, you start building it and you start 
And of course, I'm calling Gordy six times a day. Hey, how do you do this? Where do you buy that? Where, you know, where's what? What's the best way to build this mouthpiece? How do I build this jig? And then, so he, I mean, honestly, he he couldn't have been better with helping me. Like, I mean, he's helping competition, and for for no other reason than he's like a great guy. And so, uh, yeah. And then, and just as you get into it, I think naturally you become you want to uh, like become the best at it or you perfect what you're doing, you know, you know what I mean? There's the pursuit of excellence. Right. At what point in time, like, or I guess before we get, we, I go into that question, like, let's talk about the steel and like building bits. Like, how does that kind of work as far as finding steel, what to use, like the integrity of like how you build things? How did, how did you know, you start making sure the quality is there? Yeah, so like at first you might just grab like, go to your, local like pipe and steel store and just grab some stuff off the rack and not know what it is and <clears throat> turns out as I didn't know when I started there's like all different grades of steel and and um, you know you, you learn different ways to treat it to make it hard make sure it doesn't bend um, there's there's tons of tricks in the trade right so as far as like you know you hear like people talking about Billy Clapper and he uses sweet iron and, and he hand forges all this stuff well like I still, I don't even know where to get sweet iron. Like I, I've heard that he bought like a train car full of it like 50 years ago. And that was, that's what he builds all of his mouthpieces out of. So you, like, I, I just asked Gordy basically like, Hey, what do you use? Why do you use that? And then I've gone out, done, you know, my own experimentation with it. Like what works good, what works bad. But you, you know, you look for high quality steel. You want to use cold roll in a lot of your different round stock um you know as, as far as like spurs and stuff you want to use high carbon steel stuff that's not going to bend on you so it's kind of different steel for different applications and then um like the integrity like the the weight and making sure that was there like how important was that just figuring all that out like the, the balance of, of building a bit um you know when, when did that like really start to to resonate with you so it's like you, at first you're just building I was just building it like the easiest way I could right and then of course I had a ton of other bridles from different people I had a lot of Gordy bits but I had a lot of other stuff too that my parents had got me and and you know trying to be a horseman a good horseman um you know I, I ride some stuff I built and I'm like oh, it feels a little different you know why and then and then you just start comparing you know I'll grab something off the rack okay well this one this one feels a lot heavier this, this purchase is longer this uh this this feels more balanced. Why is that? And you, you just I mean bits have been around for however many thousands of years. You kind of look at what worked and, and you try and replicate it and you know modify it to where it's your own. But you know you you don't have to reinvent the wheel with a lot of bits. So making it your own, how how does that kind of? Because obviously you know you've you've got Gordy that's kind of been the foundation for a lot of a lot of like how you get started, right? And then you got a similar background being a calf roper too. Like they want to ride solid bits more than maybe like a team rubber or something like that so yeah when you like start to make it your own what what does that process look like you know you, you don't want to be you don't want to be the guy who copies gordy all the time right or like if you learn from carrie kelly or tom balding you don't want to be that guy that just copies them all the time you and a lot of that comes in design because there's only so many different ways to make a bit there's going to be a similarity between a, a dutton and a, and a carrie kelly and a and a gordy and a and a TM, you know, it's, there's going to be similarities. Um, so on my design, I tried really hard to make them my own, to not just knock off Gordy. Um, you know, he, obviously he's famous for the dots and I'm not saying I won't do dots, but I try and, 
you know, go with other stuff to make it my own and, and unique, you know. And then as you're like building feel, what's the feel like you're you're looking for with a lot of your stuff? Like how, how does a guy like, I mean, cause I guess first of all, there's how many different combinations of bits that you can make right now? Oh, I got, I got at least 65 different mouthpieces and that's probably on the low end if you don't include like the variations of each, each mouthpiece. You know, um, where, where you go copper bars or three-eighths bars or, you know, the different sizes of, of things we can put in them. So, and then, I mean, you know, upwards of 25 shanks and you can interchange almost everything. So, yeah, you, you just get to experimenting and, and, and what you like as a, I'm not saying all, all bit builders have to be horsemen or whatever. And I'm not saying that I'm the world's best horseman, but I think having a, a solid foundation and understanding what I'm looking for out of a field when I'm trying to get a horse to do something, it helps with with building the bit, you know. Yeah, it's kind of so you put you into it, right? Yeah, and it, it's kind of an interesting, not not a dilemma, but uh, something that that I struggle with a little bit is like, so if I want to be the world's ultimate horseman, well, I want to be able to take my calf horse and rope on her in a halter, right? Of course, I'm not perfect and I can't rope on her in a halter, but, and so and then I got, Paige Freed calls me and is like, hey, my, my head horse is doing this, what bit should I go to? Well, kind of my always fallback is like, well, it's probably more of a horsemanship thing than a bit thing, but at the same time, I use bits for that uh, purposes, right? They all have a purpose, they all do different things. So you gotta know, all right, well, this is, this bit is going to help your horse get to the point of where we all want him to get him to, which is riding him in a halter, right? You just try and you try and balance that. Does that make sense? Yeah, you, we're looking for this feel, like this automatic feel, and this really like, I mean, as a team roper, right? If you're competing, it's like I want it to feel like I'm roping on the dump, like I'm roping on the ground on my horse, like I'm able to create a shot. Yeah. And um, and so that means like everything is just in rhythm. My horse is in rhythm with the steer and the run. Like he's releasing when I want, but he kind of like he's out of my way. And I'm, but I've kind of like I, I don't know how to exactly if I'm doing it, describing it the right way, but that doesn't happen. I mean, I've got one horse that it happens on a lot, but it doesn't happen very often. Really. Yeah, it's like the horse is special if you can. Yes. You know. And and so now it's like you got to manage we got to manage our horses or if we want to add like little things in like with some body control like a like you were talking earlier like a hinge port right like a hinge port will give you a little bit more control with maybe the the shoulders and you can kind of fix things that way so it's like I, that's a bit that i'll go to a little bit if i'm like looking for that specifically with a, a heel horse or a head horse but then once i've kind of got that back installed into my horse I'm generally to something a little bit more solid, right? Because I've got in between my feet, in between my reins. And so I, I just keep going to this, like, I don't know that I can have enough bits. Like, I, I think it's really like my collection has to be a lot at some point. Because yeah. if I can have a good game plan with how I'm going to ride my horse that day, then I, I know what I'm trying to accomplish as far as like a horseman goes. And, and, and then on top of it, I know that I'm very limited like with my riding. It's like it's just good enough to be like dangerous, right? Like yeah. that's kinda how I feel. <laughs> like, you know enough to get in trouble, right? I feel the same thing. Yeah. So I think that's kind of this unique thing that at least my perspective on like how I need like a, a different bit or like how I try to look at using bits, mm -hmm. right? And 
and I think that's that's got to be a lot of it with with team ropers is understanding that right and that's is that kind of what you're you know what you feel a lot too yeah you know like because somebody will call me and they're like hey my horse is being real strong or or whatever they say he's not rating and and they want me to diagnose problem over the phone which I love to do but at the same time that's a hard answer to give do you get that all the time I do I get that a lot yeah it's like hey you know they'll they'll trigger here he's running off it's like all right he's strong yeah he's strong I'm like all right well like do you do you do slow work on him you know like is he ignoring your hand or is he just not watching the cow you know or, or whatever it is you know and and so I get to try to diagnose so diagnose things over the phone which which is challenging but I feel like just like you like knowing a little bit and and feeling like you know you have the wherewithal to to train a, a horse or to at least keep a horse working it's like maybe I can help guide somebody down the, the right path with it well, and, and don't you think too, it, the for the rider, it's good to know who you are, like like truthfully, self like diagnose your riding. Like, yeah. am I heavy handed? Am I quick handed? How do I like to score my horses? Do I pull when the gates open? Do I like them a little more like loose rein? And then you can start like when you come to you like or, or someone that like a bit builder, right? You can yeah. be like, hey, I I actually don't move my hand much when the gates bang. And um, I'm finding that this horse is like really like moving around a lot. So you might end up with like a solid bit that's kind of heavy, right? Like something to kind of keep them in the box a little bit more, like keep them bridled up naturally, like a, like a quicker bit, right? Yeah. As opposed to me where I want to like pull a little bit and when the gates bang and then release. And so I need something that's a little bit less and that the horses can kind of like lean into or kind of hang on and then release, right? So yeah. I know that when I'm like coming into a conversation, like, hey, this is this is what I'm doing, what's gonna help me here, right? I, that And that is totally helpful when you come to me with that. If you know yourself, and sometimes it's hard to be honest with yourself because it, per, like just for an example, like I didn't know this for a long time. I thought I was doing everything right in the box, right? And because uh, I, I worked at it really hard and I'm like, okay. And, and then and then you get somebody that like a, a horseman that's a higher level than you are in there and you're and you realize oh I'm I'm being way too handsy in here I'm moving my hand uh, all the time um, you know I'm, I'm sending mixed cues whatever it is for me as I was I was being too handsy I was I, I didn't think I was I thought I was trying to create softness but it turns out I'm just pulling this horse into the corner and, and pissing him off y- you know and uh, and so you learn things and and so it's hard like even if you are honest with yourself you might not know what you're doing like from a horsemanship standpoint you know um but and then and that's why there's so many different bits you know you think try this one try that one because you gotta find what works for you does that does that make sense oh absolutely because um i mean you just think team roping like i know that they've got horse shows now and it's you know you're trying to have it as automatic as the horse can be but when you go to a jackpot the you're gonna have to override a lot of cues um, that maybe you're you're giving and you're gonna be compromising in a lot of ways and and I think that's just something as like a competitor that just happens right and you might not even know what you're doing or cues that you're giving in the moment but you're trying to get your rope in the right spot or you're really trying to like you're I mean you're reaching or you're doing whatever you're exposing yourself mm-hmm. and so it might not be the right spot for your horse but it's like you're trying to do your best to win that day and so understanding that is is it, it's 
probably hard to do. I know it is hard to do. Yeah. So like, just kind of knowing like, hey, going back to it, like, all right, this is going to be some stuff that maybe I'm telling my horse to do or I'm kind of looking, you know, looking at, so. Yeah. Well, it's like, in comp, like you said, as a, as a competitor, it's hard to know what you're doing. And that's like, you know, like something like X Factor is, is super cool. Um, especially if you do the deal where you can send videos into coaches and, and everything and have them break it down because you know if you look at like the nfl for example like you got six coaches diagnosing all these different angles of film and they're telling you oh yeah you're what i don't know anything about football but you know you're you're not turning your hips at the right time or whatever but like you know if it's just you and you got a video on a camera phone it's really hard to diagnose maybe some of the things you're doing wrong where you know then you get if you do get like good instruction from whoever it is then like oh then maybe they can see like oh yeah look see what you did with your left hand right there you need to do that a little different you need to lift it up or you need to not pull back so much and then maybe you know as a competitor that helps you kind of absolutely like perspective and then different perspective that you can trust that is worth like is worth trying out right? yeah like good feedback is always is always going to be really important so I, I don't know I've kind of I've kind of always looked at it like hey if I'm, if I'm going to work on something I, I really want it to have a purpose I really want it to make sense I want it to make sense for my horse and then for me and and so that's there's this fine line we're gonna always kind of be riding especially me where I'm not like showy at all I'm trying to create us I'm just trying to compete at, mm -hmm. at all the time and I'm trying to keep like my horse is confident and, and kind of working consistently so I I can I can have consistent performances myself yeah it's like you want your horse to do what you ask them uh, and, and not more or less but of course they're a, a living creature you know that has different tendencies and they're feeding off of you and you're feeding off of them but yeah it's like if I'm gonna make my ultimate horse it's just gonna stay out of my way it's gonna make my job easy you yeah. know which which is hard to create I mean that's why people get paid a lot of money to train them I agree I want to talk about scoring horses because I this is something I just like realized when we were we were doing the video shoot a little bit ago. I, I mean, I, I knew it, but I like I just wanted to talk about it with you. Um, so as a calf roper that rodeos, right? So let's just say a box is seventeen to eighteen foot deep, and the calf roping move is very similar to a World Series start. Yeah, it's like. They, you don't score a lot. Like it's just like head around the end of the gate, right? Roping calves. Yeah, the head around's pretty long score. Like most of your PRCAs are two under, and that's like general rule of thumb, like a ear around. Yeah, and in World Series, it it can, it can be that long, but very rarely. It, most of the time, it's just like if they're dropping their head to go, mm -hmm. you can go. But the one difference is the the score line is right in front of your horse at the World Series. And roping calves, it's at the end of the box, at the mouth of the box, right? So there's this time that you have to like throttle your horse throughout that. So you can kind of read the calf and know like, hey, he's really not going anywhere and I might use my left hand to throttle him through the scoring. And mm -hmm. I think heading at the pro rodeos is really similar. There are some times where you might need a little throttle yeah. right right through all that. Just, just feather the clutch a little bit. Yes, <laughs> feather the clutch. <laughs> and, uh, but World Series, there's no feather because you've already broke out. Yeah. If you left too early, it's it's done. So you kind of there's a little bit of a no. There is a guessing game scoring. Like it's there's a little bit of an art to it, but there's not as much of it as there is like a traditional barrier. That's mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. But I think the bit and like the release points is more important with this than we realize. So I, I've thought about it. I was like, 
I think if I were to get into a World Series barrier the next time, I would want a sharper bit, like from my hand releasing. When I drop it, it's, it's more of a solid cue. Yeah. Where if I'm rodeoing, I want to use more of my left hand and more of my feel to help my horse score. So I'm going to have something that has, like, like I said earlier, my horse can lean into a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what makes a bit sharp, like a release sharp and as opposed to like a bit that you would score like you'd ride on your horse uh, at a rodeo. Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting way to think about it, like the difference between like a World Series sort of score and a, and a rodeo because there is that difference. You, you, you can't feather them. So, you know, as far as like bits that, that are going to release fast, right? Like um, holding up a solid port right now. And so you got to think about when it's engaged with your with your reins and then dropping how quick is that release so a couple things go into that how many breaks are in the mouthpiece right um how heavy is that shank you know what's your adjustment look like even the weight of the mouthpiece is, is going to make it like because it's only going to drop at the speed of gravity right so it, anything you can eliminate from there to make it like a really quick crisp feel now, of course, the, the quicker and crisper you make that feel, probably the less forgiveness you have. But if the barrier's unforgiving, probably a good way to go. Yeah. So, like, for example, if you have a bit that's really sharp and you, like, you move, like, you flinch with your hand, but you don't give it all the way to them, or you're, like, your horse moves forward and then you pull on them, they're probably going to suck back. Yeah. More than like that. You're going to get, like, a pop almost feel where, like, a lighter bit, something like, like I said earlier, they can lean into and you can kind of feather them or you know, use the clutch a little bit more right there, they're not gonna snatch back off your hand if you kinda, if you move your hand back and forth and flinch just a little bit there, right? Yeah, and it's kinda like you said earlier, it's just riding that fine line of, of finding the, the feel you're looking for and, and, and the bridle to do it. And like you said, that's why you have a ton of bits. That's why there's, I don't know how many bits in my tack room, which is a little easier for me since I make them. Possibly over 65. <laughs> yeah, pos- quite possibly over 65. Yeah, so, you know, and you just you just got to find that fine line that you're looking for. But, you know, if I can help somebody find that line, you know, like, this is what my horse is doing. This is this is the feel I'm looking for. You know, maybe I can kind of guide them into that by, by telling them about, like, a, hey, a solid bit is going to be quicker release. But it's also going to be quicker to get in their mouth. You might, you might create this, or, you know, the a gag bit's going to be slower to release, but going to be a lot more forgiving picking back up. You're not going to create the pop with that, or, or whatever it, the case may be. Yeah. So, um, all right. So on a, a gag bit, for example, I think this is a unique spot for a heel horse, right? So, if, especially World Series. It's still kind of tough to score your horse. Um, you can go pretty aggressively with the gates, but there's times where you break it if you do. Yeah. But healing, you're going to get a little more like throttle through that, and th- I think that is completely fine. Um, and you can have like a solid bit still. So if you want like that big stop, right, you can go that. And and I think that's kind of the the next thing that's really unique, right? Is if you're looking for a little more score like that, you can maybe get some feather right there with your heel horses and then you also you can kind of get the the straightness of the staying in between your hands and your reins where you're not getting so much like break in a bit too so you can get that in the field right yeah yeah and so you know actually about about a year ago now i caught the team roping bug pretty bad and uh so i've, I've entered some of these world series healing i've been healing and stuff and it's so different healing behind that, that 
healing barrier. It's yeah. it's really weird because I feel that quite a few rodeos is somebody needs a run or you know if I, whatever. And uh, but yeah, um, as as far as like throttling your heel horse out of there, you know, th then I try and look to marry like the movement of the gag with the the square solid feel you're looking for in your stop. Y you know what I mean? And and it's like. Uh, and and that's a, again a fine line because if you want that movement, you're gonna compromise some of your body control, like you know keeping them square in between the bridle reins because there is movement and it does promote lateral flexion, so to speak. So yeah, you know, um, but I think that's a good feel to kind of shoot for with a heel horse is kind of where you can feather them out there, but then you still get that control. You know, they can they can bend around the corner not too much. They don't, you don't want them to pop that shoulder out and kind of lose that squareness so then they can stop real big you know yeah and, and i think that's like one of the things that the cap ropers have really like i think this is why um cap ropers have been able to put the big they have to put the big emphasis on scoring yeah and drilling the barrier but then the horse also has to get out there and, and be really like framed up and strong and hit a hit a stop and i think that's where it's kind of came from and you you see it a little bit heading you see guys that can can do that or at times it's like they don't want to they don't want to like the feather score yeah but then they kind of get that explosion out of it when they they do see the move and know they need to get the horse running and and i think that's that's kind of one of the unique things um but it also i think it requires a really broke horse too if it's going to be a head horse or a heel horse to to ride um in a solid bit because you can kind of lose all that all the feel that like a, a broken mouthpiece can kind of help you provide right yeah the, the broken mouthpieces are, are gonna they're gonna help a horse but you know, like I said in our video shoot, the more uh, breaks in the mouthpiece, the more lateral you get. So that's great, you know, um, as far as like kind of helping a horse directionally, um, everything like that. But I think that's why a lot of calf ropers do use a solid bit because we don't have to turn left or right. You know, you, you fire out of the box, you're running square down the arena, you're stopping square, you're backing up square. It's it's kind of a little bit of a different beast where, and I think that's why a lot of team ropers use a lot more broken mouthpiece bits. Um, yeah. You know, because you you got to pick up a shoulder, you got to make a head horse move. You know, as far as the heel horse, you got you you know, kind of want them to bend around the corner, and 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 it, there's a change of direction. Do you think that's why like the chain port has been one of the most successful team roping bits around? Yeah, I mean, how many millions of dollars have been won with a Petska chain port? Like, I'm sure it's it's astronomical. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a good marriage of that. You get the the port, so that that's your that's your stop, that's your control, your woe, your score, whatever. And then and then you get the brakes on the sides that allow you to kind of, the change of directions to be a little bit easier for your horse. Yeah, so the chains, and, and it also lets people that might not know what cue they're giving, or like their their hands are pretty active, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of hides that from the horse a little bit, right? Like it's, I think it's why you don't see like a, very rarely do you see like a great, like just horseman, a showy horseman have a chain bit like i don't like i don't really know of many right like that's not uh, yeah i don't i don't know of many especially that ride them at the show I, you know as far as at their house maybe you know when, when they're working their horse and getting them ready for the show but yeah you you get into that show they don't move their hands so they don't want the the brakes that that a chain you know chain type of bit has and and you know i think about when i'm building them you know building them for the masses for team ropers you, you want to build that for forgiveness into a lot of your bridles because 
not everybody has all day every day to work on being a, a perfect horseman you know so you you try and you try and get some built-in forgiveness with a lot of the bridles that you send out there you know yeah and then the chain port has that it's great i think i mean obviously too little bit is not good because you can't stop yeah it's probably what's gonna happen because you have no control but too much control is probably the the biggest issue that you run into as far as like what might mess up a run or like too quick a reactions like your horse doing too much yeah you know like especially healing too much rate like too much come off the cow too fast like that all that those things are they're i mean they're a disaster when they happen to run if a horse moves in the box and then sucks back it's over you yeah know, literally you're late you're, you don't you're done. have a chance yeah. when, when things like that happen so you, know, you got to try to find the line of like what my horse can listen to my hand on um and and follow everything but still be light enough that they can move confidently right mm -hmm. yeah and, and uh that that's that's the sweet spot we're, we're all trying to hit you know where how much forgiveness can we get out of our bridle while still maintaining the control to get a horse to do what we want them to do because we're not going to be perfect as competitors our left hand isn't going to be perfect and uh but yeah you, you don't want your horse running through your hand when you throw your rope and you don't want them sucking back you know that's too little a bit and then too much a bit you get them sucking back when the gates bang because your left hand moves and it hits them and, and then like you say it, it's over so is this where the try a bit program comes out because it's like you have to deal with so many people like kind of i mean you're doing custom bits so you know you're you're they've got a feel of they're talking about something but maybe that doesn't get communicated and that's kind of why i was like hey i need to ask these questions because like hey that you do want to help people like get the right bit for their horse and themselves right off but that sometimes maybe they don't even know so is that like well hey i got this try a bit program and i'll just send you this bit and if you don't like it you know we'll swap it out or give you we'll give you what you want or is that kind of where that all comes yeah that, that that's what it started for those phone calls that i say i get all the time i'm just like because I can only give so good of advice. I don't know the whole situation. I don't know. I don't know the horse. I don't know you as a horseman. So it's like I give you my best guess. But these things are expensive, and and I understand that, and I appreciate that. Um, so it's like what my thinking was like, hey, I'll, I'll build something plain. Price point's a little cheaper. Um, you buy that one, send it to you, and then and then we can get a little closer to the hole. So you know, you tell me your horse is doing X, Y, Z, and I say, I hey, try this hinge port on. And then I, I'm able to send that out. Um, you know, you have to buy it up front because uh, I can't get a bunch of stuff out there. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, away. without getting paid, you know, uh, <laughs> else you might just be able to keep that in your tack room. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, you buy it up front, I send it over, and, and it's like, okay, well, now it, it solved X, but Y and Z are still a little bit away from the hole. And it's like, but now we can get close to the hole because now I know exactly what that hinge port feels like because I've ridden my hinge port. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm looking for a little bit more of this. It's like, well, perfect. Well, let's trade out that hinge port for maybe, you know, maybe a more severe hinge port, maybe a longer shank. Maybe maybe the hinge port didn't hit the mark, and we need to go in a different direction. We'll put a correction on them or something. You know, that that's where that all came from. What do you think is the biggest mistake people make when they're, like, when they're purchasing bits or looking at buying, buying bits for themselves? <clears throat> people want a bit to solve their problem. You know, which is difficult for all the reasons that we hit. We hit like they want one bridle that's gonna make their horse score, gonna make their horse rate, gonna give their horse a perfect head horse move, and then face like a freight train. You you know what I mean? It's like 
and, and that probably doesn't exist out there. That's why, especially when you deal with horsemen, that's why they have so many different ones because different bits do different things and gives you a different feel. But yeah, the, the cure-all is, is what people are looking for and, and that's hard to give them. So for like someone that wants to buy a bit or like start looking into like broadening their collection, I think that's what they need to understand is the feel the bit provides and understanding the more breaks and like the, the more it's like lateral movement comes into play and how the leverage kind of works and um, gags and how that how that all kind of goes as well as like um, shank length and purchase and all that too right I'm sure a lot of um, you know before I get into building bits I didn't necessarily think about like the mechanics of of whatever bit does what each one does right so it's like like as your average consumer like I don't blame you for not thinking about like hey this is what I want my horse to do and this bit may not necessarily be asking them to do that you know what I mean so it's like I just try and educate people as, as good as I can hey this is what it's designed to do it's probably gonna feel different with you than it does with me it's going to feel different with your horse than it does with my horse, but this is the idea behind it, so this will get you closer to the hole. Yeah. You know? Um, the other thing we've touched on with the video shoot is curves, but do you think it's a good idea to have curves that can swap out in and, in and out easily? Because of, like you were speaking earlier about like leather is going to be, it's going to have a different severity than a, a chain, right? Yeah, like personally, and, and this is a total personal thing. I know some people hang one curb on a bit and it's never ever going to get changed, but I'm just as likely to change the curb on a, on a specific bridle as I am change the bridle itself, you know, is it, because it, it's at least half of your feel. You know, it, you put a sharp little curb chain behind there, you're going to get a lot more control than if you put a nice big flat leather curb chain. It's, it's just going to become a lot less bit. So, and I don't think a lot of people think about that, and I think. I think that's a more economical way to try and get different feels out of your bridles too, because they're curb chains, you know, five, ten bucks, and a bit's a couple hundred, you know. Shout out, we're, save, we're saving money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I respect the struggle of the money thing because it's real. It's an expensive sport we play, and you know, it's like try and try and help people out as much as you can. Right. And then what about riding the same bit all the time? So, for example, like if you're gonna, if you got a head horse that you're just gonna go out and lope some circles just to exercise or just go right through a pasture do you typically say like what would you say mix it up on yeah bits, or what, what do you try to what's your advice there i mean again like i'm sure you have a ton of bits hanging in your tack room and i obviously have a ton hanging in mine like i do like to if i'm just going to go exercise sorely like i don't need to hang a hinge port on him you know i can put a little gag bit on him with some of those snaffle mouthpiece maybe work on softening him to my legs uh you, you know where it, yeah, I, I don't like to ride my competition bit all the time. I'm, but of course, being having access to all these bits, I just change them up like you would change underwear. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't it give you like, and it gives you an opportunity to get what the feel might be or like how it could be, like add little things or sharpen something on if you want your horse to feel a certain way. It's kind of a good good opportunity to to kind of start feeling that right yeah yeah you know if that's what your mindset is is hey i want to i want to know what this bit does or i want to get a different feel out of my horse and yeah try a different one on them lope and don't necessarily go straight to the practice pin in it lope some circles go through the field you know um 
and, and I think that that'll help a person get a, a real idea of the feel of each bridle because you know like a, bits are very personal um, you're gonna get a different feel out of it than I'm gonna get and it's what feels good to you is, is definitely most important and for I've, I've heard this but I don't know how true I've heard that like a snaffle bit this, this is a trainer he said a snaffle bit is the one that he's seen the most injuries to a horse's mouth from because it's like an o-ring snaffle and they just end up pulling too hard yeah you know to to get like softness and a lot of people like myself would think like at least back in the day hey i want to get my horse soft so i'll kind of get them back to a snaffle or like it can soften if you can use it correctly and like their sides and how you want to like pull them around a little bit but is that something like there's certain bits for softening know how to use them like be careful with them because they they do work off of the release of pressure right yeah yeah i mean like you said the release of pressure like uh, being trained as a kid you know going to different horse trainers uh that that they always told me the release is at least if not more important the release of pressure is more important than than the application of pressure so I think that's a good thing for all of us to keep in mind because I know personally I'll get it's easy to put on pressure I put on pressure like nobody's business right it, releasing that pressure in the correct spot and at the correct time that's hard that's what I feel separates the great horseman from the not as great horseman is like that they can release and they can get that feel out of their horse so yeah I think it's important for all of us to keep in mind where we put an o-ring snap on a horse we're gonna go to <coughs> softening him up we're loping it in some circles, but all we've done that whole time is seesaw his face, you know. And it's like, well, we've never shown him the release. Have we actually softened him? Probably not. Yeah. All right, man. So let's go back to building bits and around, you know, because you, as far as like the business side of it, at what point in time you're like, this is what I want to do for a living. Like this is, I I can make this work. Yeah, I I think like I said, I I dinked around with it part-time for a couple years um turned out some pretty rough stuff but then that rough stuff got refined a little bit and uh man i i just enjoyed it i enjoyed the the like the reward of of seeing something that i built right from start to finish it's just just me and my dogs in the shop maybe a pot belly pig right yeah like <laughs> and and so you started with nothing and you end with something and, and, and like there's some sort of primal reward to that right like a, our built-in reward system uh it, it's like wow it's it did that it's kind of cool you know and then and then it and then they, they get nicer and, and you're like and then you kind of get a little bit more proud of it right and then and then you sell them to some of your friends like i said for like 125 bucks and god bless those people for <laughs> buying some of that stuff like uh, my buddy he's got one it's got weld splatter on the inside of the mouthpiece right from my wire feed welder yeah uh, but th but then you start building some stuff that's a little bit better and and people are like man that, that bit really made my horse work good you know i really like the feel of that bit like you did a good job and I'm like, thanks man and, and so as i started putting out product that that people came back to me and said hey that's a good bit uh i i, I use that one at the rodeo uh th that's when i really you know uh thought well you know maybe i can maybe i can do this for a living and you know maybe i can kind of make it a business do you think it's important to to have that humility to like knowing like hey I'm, I need to be getting better, right? Is that something you're constantly like, that it was just always there early on in, in the business? Yeah, like, like, like very first it wasn't. 
right? Yeah. Um, but then as I built them and, and then as I got that reward and, 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 and I think it was just natural to, to want to be better, to pursue excellence, whether, you know, and you might do it in, in your job or in the rope and pen or, or whatever. I, th- I think it's pretty natural human desire to, to achieve excellence and perfection and, and all of the above. So how does a guy do that? You know, as you like, you know, you're stepping out onto your own and you've, you've moved into this, this, you know, you're, you're running the show, right? Like it's yeah. your business, but how do you maintain the, the humility and like, I, I want to try to get better and still improve things. Um, and then like, Hey, we're, we're putting out good stuff too. Like that, that's the yeah. other deal too. Right. Is that, is that a challenge? Yeah, I guess so. It, like, it's like, for example, so Danielle Lohman, uh, she made the NFR in the breakaway, uh, I don't know, last year, I think. It wasn't 2022, it was 2021, I believe. And I saw her at a jackpot, and she's riding a bit. It was, I was probably two years in. It wasn't pretty, but it was functional. And yeah. she's still riding it, you know, six years later. And she's, and I, she wrote, I don't know if she actually wrote at the NFR, um, but she did ride it. She told me she'd ridden it all year long. It was one of her two change-up bits. And it's like, okay. So I built a product that maybe wasn't as beautiful as some of the stuff I turn out now, but it it was functional, right? And so I think as long as you you have your basics there where, like, hey, this is what makes a good bit. This is what we're going to put into them. Then I think you can keep improving while still turning out that that quality product, you know? Yeah. And that's just getting good feedback, trying things. Like yeah. Kind of got to... Almost. And you're gonna you're gonna lay some eggs, you know you know what I mean. You're gonna you're gonna build a bit, and it's like oh that that one probably wasn't much good for anything, and it's like great it's wall art now, you know yeah. like uh, yeah that's uh, that's kind of how I look at it. They don't they don't all have to be a winner, but as long as the majority of them are, especially the ones you're selling, then then that's great, and then we can experiment at home. Yeah, trying to just figure out like what might work, and and that's probably the cool thing too is you're trying it out on on your stuff. You know, you're riding it on your horses, and yeah, and this is actually this this has a unique feel. Like, I mean, it's just like the the leather mouthpiece bit. Like understanding how that actually works and feel like the feel that it has. Yeah, is is kind of wild, right? Like, so you hit it on the head, perfectly. you're like right off, it feels great. Yeah, but if you keep riding it all the time, day in and day out, it kind of loses that. Uh, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it got it's got like a special numb. sort of magic at the beginning, but they they will get numb to it. I mean, it is just a piece of leather at the end of the day, so you know they probably get a little numb to it. But yeah, it's it's a cool change up bit for sure, and, and getting to experience that. All right, I didn't know about it. I got told about it. I'm like, ah, I don't think it's gonna work, and but I built it and and rode it and was really happy with the. And, and you know, I, I I changed the purchase length a couple times on it to try and figure out what what worked best. And I've ridden it in multiple different shanks, and that way I can give if if you call me like, hey, what's your recommendation? I say, man, I, I really like that in an eight inch shank. I think it feels the best. You know? Yeah. So, selling. Let's talk about that aspect because obviously you do custom orders all like all the time, right? Yeah. Is that, but you do a lot of it digitally you know, on, online sales, right? It's kind of been the, the, the main way to try to build a business. Is that, was that always the idea? Or what do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> it, it was just, it was just so natural. You know, Facebook is such a powerful yeah. platform. Like I can reach so many people, you know, and now I'll run some Facebook ads and spend a little money and stuff. But for years it just was, 
post it on my personal page. Like, I didn't even have a TM Bits and Spurs Facebook page. Right. You know, I just said Tristan Mahoney, and I'd post, uh, I'd post some bits, and people would call me, text me, whatever, like, hey, I want to try one. What, what do you got? And, and that's where the whole thing of, of trying to help people find the right bit, that's where that started. And people texted me, hey, my horse is doing this. Hey, my horse is doing that. Because I, I think people, I don't think there's a lot of resources out there for somebody to try and help find the right bit and I think that's why people like the custom bit makers because they can call me and they can say hey my horse is doing this my horse is doing that you know and you, you might lose some of that like a if you're just gonna grab a classic equine bit off the rack which they do a fine job they make a fine bit but there may not be kind of that guidance there you know yeah I mean you're, you're talking to the person that's building the product right? yeah and so they've got the most experience with it and, and should be able to communicate like hey this is this is the feedback I'm getting this is what I think it should do like this is what we're designing this to do right yeah yeah and and you know as far as growing it digitally it was just it was natural you know like it's like if it's not broke don't fix it so i post something on facebook and people would would order stuff so i just kept growing my facebook presence and obviously word of mouth is the best advertisement you can get it's free and it's it's got carries more credibility but that just comes from building you know quality products and and over time getting enough of those products out there i mean I'm sure it's kind of the same for you, you know, it's like, you, you want a, a consumer to be like, hey man, you should download X Factor, it's awesome, but you got you got to reach a bunch of people too. Yeah, definitely, it's really powerful when someone's probably talking about a video or a tip or something they like, they got, and they're like, hey, and they're telling their friend, and they, they check it out, and I think that's, it's definitely got got some power behind it, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's a huge component to growing a successful business. Is a you got a happy customer, and you know they're they're telling their friends uh, about it because they they trust each other, right? So that's just yeah, dude, I I mean a hundred percent. Like when I downloaded X Factor, and like I told you, I caught the team roping bug. Yeah. I downloaded it and started watching all the videos, and then just naturally because it's a good product and and I think it's cool. Um, I was telling my friend, like, we were talking about healing. I'm like, dude, there's this video Jade Corkle was talking about this, this, and that. And I was like, it really helped me, you know? And they're like, oh, you think that X Factor's worth the money? I'm like, dude, it's, it's 30 bucks a month. Like, yeah, like, how much are you going to spend in an entry fee, right? Like, right. so, and, and I'm sure those, in, and I'm sure those same interactions happen with my bits, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, I bought this chain port from Trismoni. It really, I, I really like the feel of it on my horse. And then maybe that leads to a sale. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the custom. Like, how does a typically like a custom order work for you? Like, call up, say, hey, this is what I'm looking for, like a hinge port. And you kind of go through like the different types of shank, the purchase, like, make sure they know like what type of feel they're going to be getting, right? Like, what? Yeah. If they ask me a questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer questions. But a lot of times, somebody will drop me a text message, hey, I want. I want a chain port on these shanks, these initials, these designs. I'm like, perfect, you're on the list. Yeah. You know, and, and I love those. Those are easy, but I, I don't mind either when you call me like, hey, my horse is doing this. And, you know, so it, it kind of is all over the map. Some people like to phone call. Some people like to text. Some people hit me on, like, the Messenger app through Facebook or whatever. So it's, right. it's all over the place. I, I like that. I mean... It's uh, the communication side of it with, uh, in the Western industry is kind of awkward anyways. Yeah. So there's guys that like don't even text. There's guys that do, and it's like, okay. You know, the guy, it's funny. The guys that don't text, uh, they it must just generationally, right? Like, uh, you're, me, or you, me and you are within a couple years. I'm 32. Um, 
but if I get a caller, generally they're over 40 or 50, and they always tell me where they're from, you know. This is old so-and-so from Burwell, Nebraska. It's like, man, couldn't have sold you that bit without knowing you're in Burwell, Nebraska. You know what I mean? It's got, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, for sure. And then the silver, you you offer like custom silver on the side. So if they want initials, things like that, yeah. that you're, you're all about Yeah, that. I love to do brands, initials. I mean, I think that's what drives most people to a person like me or, or whoever does custom bits. It's like, okay, they, they want them pretty. They want their brand on them. They, you know, and it's just... Then it becomes a matter of how much silver work you want to put into it and how much time. And oh, that's obviously price reflects that. You can, oh, that Wilson Capron, you know, he sells stuff for 20 grand because it's art. It's gorgeous, you know, where I try and do something that's pretty but more functional. And, you know, then the price point kind of reflects that. Yeah. I mean, and something where you can put a bunch on the wall, like to have, you know, in the tack room to, to ride, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's you've got options. And I, and I think that's. You know what we've basically communicated is like there's there's no one magic bit and it's gonna take feel it's gonna take understanding and that's I think that's just part of becoming a better horseman is learning what what type of bridles what you know you're, you're gonna need for different situations and it's gonna probably evolve throughout your horses and your you know your roping career yeah yeah uh, I've never got this done but I always thought it'd be cool to like make like groups of bits right this is stage one bit like this is this is for your two-year-old that you're just loping circles on and then this is a stage two bit now now we're uh now we're graduated from that maybe we're roping the donkey or the smarty or, or whatever and, and then kind of go up from there you know group them in that way i mean that would be a kind of a hard target to hit but that's always something i've kind of thought about in the back of my mind that would be that would be a cool service to offer i feel like it's very uh for people i think that they I mean, I know I have something similar. Like, I have my head horses when I like to start them in the box. Like, what type of feel I'm looking for. Like, what what bit I ride there. And as they get a little bit older, like, I know what. But it, mine is more like what they can handle. Like, rain pressure in the corner of the box. Mm -hmm. like, that's, I think that is most of heading to me. Isn't that the hardest that, part is yeah. making something good in the corner? Like, that is so hard. <laughs> I would I really respect like a, a person that can do that because that that's my weakest point for sure like training a cap horse or whatever it's like yeah just getting them to score and, and being able to trust that and then fire off your hand day in and day out it's 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 what makes horses so special and so valuable is when you get one that can do that but um, I think there is a little bit of method to the madness and if you can if you can keep them comfortable there and following your hand out that I think it it's a good starting point right and understanding that and for so like that's for me is like I like a really small hinge port like mm -hmm. right off um, and, a, and and not much of a shank probably like a s right in between the six and seven yeah you know? and just something that's like slow reacting a lot of curve to it like something that I can give more hand pressure and it's a slower release and I think that's just a good way where I can't like I can't do too much myself you know I can't scare them personally yeah and uh, if you're gonna get me hooked right on yeah. TM bits and spurs, and I'm a header. What's going to be your your first recommendation of a of a bit for me to ride and try? And, and the one you think like, hey, they're going to love this one. They're going to come back. Like, what's the bit that gets you the most uh, benefit? Like customers coming back. Yeah, yeah. That probably not a one part answer, but we'll I'll, I'll shorten it the best I can. So. <clears throat> As far as like you're a header, you call me, hey, I'm just looking for a good bit for a head horse. I'm probably going to send you, 
if you don't have a chain port, I'm going to send you the chain port. But I say, hey, what about a chain port? Oh, I got one of those. All right, cool. And then we're probably going to transition into like a hinge port, correction, those type of bits. You know, play the hits. You know, stuff that works, stuff that everybody makes. Everybody makes it because it works. You know, and I, and I think I do a good job with those basic foundation bits where if I send you one, you're going to come back because it's, you know, it's going to ride like you think it should. And for you, it's, what, what's the, like, you don't have to give away the, the secret sauce, you know, right? <laughs> no. Uh, but more or less, like, what do you think it is with yours, is bits that make them, like, you know, that you're proud of them, that you just keep going forward with the business? What's been the, the big thing that you've, you've experienced uh, with feedback in your bits? Um, I've had people tell me that my bits have a lot of feel, and I'll give the secret sauce because it's not that secret. Like, I don't think anybody has magic dust in a, in a, you know, their little pouch that they can sprinkle on it and make it the perfect bit. So I, I, I try and do, I try and do the little things well. I, you know, no sharp edges. You know what I mean? I, like do a good job, you know, knock the, knock the rough off your bits. Um, you know, I put mullen in a lot of my mouthpieces, almost all of them. And I think that's huge because it's just going to curve that horse's mouth. The horse is going to pack it better. You, you look at some people's bits and they're, and some people want them straight across, and if you want it straight, I'll build it straight. But if you just call me, you don't have any specific requests, I'm sitting in your bit with Mullen. I'm going to tip it back a little bit, make it a little bit less... Uh, when I say tip it back, I mean tip the mouthpiece back relative to the shank, right? So it's not straight up and down like the front of the shank. It's, it's the horse's mouth. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just try and shape the mouthpiece to the mouth. And, you know, I think those things and i'm not the only one that does those things uh but i think i do those things well and i think that's kind of what gives you the foundation of hey this is this bridle feels good because you know i'm a big positivity guy like i am not going to sit here and say like hey gordy's bits don't feel good or a Kerry kelly bit doesn't feel good i'm sure they do feel good that they've they've built great businesses off of those bits feeling great but you know i, I try and and make mine feel good as well and i, I think there's enough for everybody yeah, and I, and I think that's that's a different is difference is like each person has their own influence into the bit, right? Like, yeah. Like Kelly kind of comes from a show background. Like you very rarely see him with a ton of like broken mouthpieces. It's getting to that way now more and more yeah. for him because he's kind of transitioned to team roping. Gordy's got the calf roping background where it's a little bit more solid, more weight. Like yeah. the, the that's what you used to see a ton with like Gordy's bits, right? And so it's like, you know, you as you kind of take and put your twist and like how you see it, I think that's that's what makes it kind of special. That's what makes it unique and then the consistency, right? Of being yeah. able to, each time you you sell a bit, it's like, hey, this, it should feel like, that same bit should feel the same, um, for, you know. Yeah, if I, if I build a hundred hinge ports, you shouldn't be able to tell where in the process I built them, right? Yeah, those are the words I was looking for yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and you know, and it's like, I try and design with my customer base in mind. I know I sell mainly to team ropers, so it's like, I, I come from a calf roping background, but that doesn't mean I can't learn from team ropers and, you know, and kind of cater my designs and the to the needs of team ropers, right? And barrel racers and, and calf ropers and bulldogs and whatever I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm a big, give me feedback even if it's not good guy. Like, I, I love it when somebody calls me and says, hey, this thing doesn't ride right. I'm like, well, why? You know, what, what do you think I should do better? And and then and then I'll make it right, you know, that's and I think that's a big, I try and do things the right way. If it, if it breaks, 
if it bends, if if a letter falls off, I'm I'm going to fix it. and I'm going to fix it for free. Right. You know. I think that's. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's solid way to go. And then, you know, the the thing that I see with them, and I'm kind of so excited about them is the quickness with your hands, plus like the the feel. Like I think you're going to ride that line a lot. And I think there's going to be a, a lot of people that will like that as far as like scoring goes um i think there's just a, the weights there so i think the the cues are gonna be there and i think that's really what what team ropers need is they need to understand like hey the the scoring is gonna be the huge you know one of the biggest parts of, mm -hmm. of winning and and that black and white cue and the ability the the ability to give that really easily is is going to be a big thing to winning consistently at, at a world series barrier and then knowing like hey this is this is going to be the different types of feel I'm going to get for a rodeo guy. And, you know, the more advanced guy is going to kind of already know this. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the, the balance, you know, that you've already got there. It's just the educating with that as well, right? Yeah, and that's one of the things I hope to reach the most with doing some stuff with X Factor is, like, hey, you know, we can reach these people. And and we can have, the like, the production and, and, and the platform to, to educate people and tell people, like, hey, this, this is what we designed them to do, you know? and maybe this will work for your horse. Right. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. We yeah. uh, Obviously, we did a video shoot earlier. We've kind of mentioned that, and it was great. I got to learn a lot about the different types of mouthpieces, what what type of feel they're going to offer, um, shanks, everything, purchases, just what it kind of creates. And I know we touched on a lot of it right through here, but definitely recommend you check out the video shoot and, and everything that way. If you want to add anything? Man, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, look me up, TM Bits and Spurs on Facebook tmbitsandspurs.com for some reason people think it's t and m it's not it's just just tristan mahoney it's just, t, so just tm bits and spurs yeah yeah and uh, i'm easy to find i'm easy to get a hold of so yeah thanks thanks for having us today thanks for doing the video shoot i had a lot of fun and yeah thanks man yeah no and like like we said last thing you know you take orders online or you can call like your phone number is very available throughout you know all your social media you know channels and so that that's something if if you do want to talk to you and just kind of get some feel of like hey this is maybe what i need or if you kind of already got a good idea you could you can do it that way as well yep absolutely thanks, thanks again man.